Today's scripture comes from Luke chapter 19, verses 28 through 40. After he had said this, he went on ahead, going up to Jerusalem. When he had come near Bethphage and Bethany, at the place called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of the disciples, saying, Go into the village ahead of you, and as you enter it, you will find tied there a colt that has never been ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, Why are you untying it? Just say this, The Lord needs it. So those who were sent departed and found it as he had told them. As they were untying the colt, its owners asked them, Why are you untying the colt? They said, The Lord needs it. Then they brought it to Jesus, and after throwing their cloaks on the colt, they set Jesus on it. As he rode along, people kept spreading their cloaks on the road. As he was now approaching the path down from the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to praise God joyfully, with a loud voice for all the deeds of power they had seen, saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest heaven. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, Teacher, order your disciples to stop. He answered, I tell you, if these were silent, the stones would shout out. And from verses 44 through 49. It was now about noon, and darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon, while the sun's light failed, and the curtain of the temple was torn in two. Then Jesus, crying with a loud voice, said, Father, into your hands I command my spirit. Having said this, he breathed his last. When the centurion saw what had taken place, he praised God and said, Certainly this man was innocent. And when all the crowds who had gathered there for the spectacle saw what had taken place, they returned home, beating their breasts. But all his acquaintances, including the women who had followed him from Galilee, stood at a distance, watching these things. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Alan, for reading our scripture this morning. Today, we begin what we call Holy Week, the last week of Jesus's life. The scriptures that Alan read for us today occur in two different parts of that story, one at the beginning and one at the end. The first scripture that Alan read puts us in Palm Sunday as Jesus enters Jerusalem, so let's put one of our feet right there. And the second scripture that he read puts us over here on Good Friday at the cross. The two parts of the story seem very different, but they are linked as one. We have, in fact, been hanging out at this cross for six weeks now as church. We've been sitting here, kneeling here, intentionally lingering here to listen to what Jesus has to say as we've been studying the last words that Jesus gives from the cross. In the Gospels, there are seven sentences that Jesus gives from this difficult place. We've studied five of them so far, and today we hear the last two. As Jesus says in the Gospel of Luke, into your hands I commend my spirit. And in the Gospel of John, It is finished. Understanding these final words of Jesus begins with understanding what happens over here as we start Holy Week as well. Would you pray with me? God of grace and mercy, Holy Week is a strange thing as we try to wrap our heads around this holy and difficult week. 
Lord, may the words that I offer be yours. May our thoughts today be yours. In the words of our mouths, the meditations of all of our hearts, may they be pleasing and acceptable in your sight, O Lord, for you are our Savior, our rock, our refuge, and our Redeemer. And we want to be obedient to you. This we pray in the name of Jesus. As all God's people say, Amen. So how does this week begin? It begins joyfully with a parade as Jesus enters Jerusalem riding a colt or a donkey and people wave palms around shouting in praise of Christ. And as they shout, they, we, get a few things right about Jesus even as we miss the bigger point of his mission. Because Palm Sunday is also this ironic celebration of a misunderstanding. What do I mean? And how is that? It reminds me of a story I heard a couple of years ago of a family that adopted a pet during COVID. Many people did that. They adopted a dog. And this is a family that loves to hang out clothes on the clothesline. Maybe you've done that before on a beautiful sunny day. There's nothing like a sheet that's been dried out in the sun. And so this family would get up and wash their clothes and hang them out on the line. And the dog thought, this is a game. Because everything they hung up on the line, the dog would pull down with its teeth. Hang up a shirt, the shirt comes down. Hang up a sheet, the sheet comes down. And so all that beautiful clean laundry would wind up dirty, lying underneath the clothesline rather than on it. The family said this would not work. So they decided to engage together in a mission. And they were going to change that dog's behavior. So what they did was they selected one item and put that up on the clothesline. And every day that the dog did not touch that one item, which was a blue towel, they would reward him graciously with extra treats and affection. And on and on this training went until they were able to go one full week without the dog touching the blue towel. So it was time to do the laundry again. So that next morning they got up, they washed two loads of clothes, they put it all out on the clothesline, and they left for work. And when they came home at the end of the day, they went in the backyard and all the clothes were lying on the ground underneath that clothesline, except for one item that was blowing nicely in the breeze. And what do you think that was? the blue towel and there sat the dog beneath it proudly wagging his tail and waiting for extra treats and affection because he got one thing right but missed the bigger point of the mission we do that in faith sometimes too right we may get one two things right about who Jesus is but we might misunderstand and not fully grasp the bigger picture of the mission of what he is about. That's Palm Sunday. Jesus enters Jerusalem in the Gospel of Luke. It's his first time there. 
and people line the sides of the street on the right and the left, and Jesus comes in on that donkey or a colt as people wave, actually cloaks around in the Gospel of Luke, not palms. Only in the Gospel of Luke do they wave palms. But we thought we'd stick with tradition today and not hand out coats to you as you're coming in the door, so we'd wave our coats around. (laughs) Sometimes it's good to sit a little loose with literalism. In Luke, it's also a smaller crowd than in some of the other Gospels. Followers gather around and praise Jesus for his incredible power of deeds that he's done and his miracles. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord, they say. The religious leaders tell Jesus to keep things quiet, but Jesus tells them creation will cry out in praise of God even if people do not. Perhaps you've seen that yourself. What are they shouting and celebrating about Jesus? Here's where we get back to that hanging blue towel. They call Jesus Savior and Messiah, but don't understand what kind of Savior he is. They live under oppression under the Roman Empire. And they're looking for a military messiah, a military king who will come in and in his power and deeds overthrow Rome and return them to a position of power. People cheer that Jesus will be their savior on their terms by making the world more like what they want it to be. Except that he doesn't. People cheer that Jesus will save them in the way they want to be saved except that he doesn't. They do not fully grasp the mission of Jesus and throughout this holy and horrible week, Jesus does not stay in the box that they have built for him and refuses to do so. We do the same thing, don't we? Make our own boxes for Jesus and try to fit him inside. And so we necessarily then write ourselves into this story and line up beside those on the sides of the road, waving our palms or coats around as Jesus rides on in on that colt or the donkey. Make happen, Jesus, what we want to make happen. Our wishes and dreams make our lives go the way we want them to go. Hosanna. Keep the people in that we want to keep in and keep the people out we want to keep out. Do church and life the way we want it to be. Hosanna, Jesus, save us. Whether we're on the right or the left side of that road, put in power the people we want to be in power the way we think it should be. Christ have mercy on us. Have you ever noticed in the Gospel of Luke and in the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus is the hardest not on the people who don't believe in him. Jesus is hardest not on those who have questions or doubts. He's hardest on the religious people who think they have him all figured out. We put Jesus in a box too. And say, Hosanna, here's our Savior, our Messiah, made in our image. And blessed is that King who comes in the name of the Lord. 
Jesus will give us what we want, except that he doesn't. Because that is not the mission. And here's the thing. Jesus knows we don't get it. And still he comes. And he knows that we will shout for him on Palm Sunday, right? And wave our palms and cloaks and that we'll shout at him on Friday instead. And still he comes. He's not the king that they wanted him to be. He's not what the government wanted him to be. He's not what the religious leaders wanted him to be. He didn't meet up to their standards or follow all their rules. And still he comes. He knows we don't get it. And still he rides in on that colt or donkey right into the midst of that conflict and division and misunderstanding. Right into that what would we call it? His desertion, his abandonment, his suffering and torture and sentencing and rides right into the midst of all of that and comes anyway because he loves us that much. Whether we get it or not, to finish his mission of love and salvation and healing and forgiveness. Because we know when we stand around the cross that when Jesus doesn't turn out who we thought we wanted him to be, we shall crucify like everybody else in order to keep him quiet. That's how we end up at a cross. That's why we have a foot in both of these places today because both of these parts of the story are so inextricably linked. And what is the link between the two? It is this blessed, awful, divine misunderstanding. That Jesus is what no one wants him to be while he is everything that we need him to be. Thanks be to God for that. Sometimes we'd rather worship most anything else or anyone else or even ourselves or other false idols we seek, but Jesus refuses to stay in the box that we'd made for him. Thanks be to God for that. I'm grateful that in Jesus, the power of his love is greater than our love for power. Thanks be to God for that. And that brings us to what we hear today in the Gospels of Luke and John. Because in Luke, over here, what Jesus says is, into your hands I commend my spirit. And what he says in John is, it is finished. And you might remember a few weeks ago that the Gospels of Mark and Matthew end in very different ways. In this scene... It ends in pain, and what Jesus says, the only thing he says is, My God, why have you forsaken me? But in Luke and in John, the story ends so differently. It ends when Jesus says it ends, and it ends in strength and power. Why do they end so differently? 
It's not that one gospel's right and the others are wrong. Each gospel tells the story in a particular way to communicate something particular about who Jesus is. In Mark, Mark stresses the humanity of Jesus. In John, John stresses Christ's divinity. And Jesus is all of this, right? Fully human and fully divine. Each gospel written a certain way to communicate something particular about who Jesus is that we need to understand and take in. It helps us to understand more about Christ and his power and his love and his mission. Jesus' final words are words of finality. In Luke and in John, he chooses the moment of his death and announces it and commends and entrusts his spirit to God. And then he says in John, it is finished. In Greek, that means literally, it has been brought to completion or fulfillment. And it's the perfect tense of the verb. So in Greek, that means that it has happened and it will continue on. And so the way we read it is it is been completed and is being completed. It is fulfilled and being fulfilled. In, with, and through Jesus, it has happened and the results will carry on now through us. What exactly is that thing that Jesus says is finished? It's that mission that we've understand, that we have misunderstood. What Jesus comes to make right is not Rome. What Jesus comes to make right are our hearts, who we are, you and me. Not our best dreams, not self-fulfillment or power or prosperity. What he comes to make right is us and our hearts. We are what Jesus comes to transform, to forgive us and heal us and save us from our sin and from ourselves and show us a different way to live. The cross is what he does for us, that he might then do his work in us that is life-giving and salvific and changes who we are, that then we are to help bring about the kingdom of God. It is a kingdom, Jesus tells us, in which a first is last and the last is first and the hungry are fed and the thirsty are given something to drink and the naked are clothed and the sick and imprisoned are visited and the stranger is welcomed and all who feel they are outcasts belong. That's the kind of mission that Jesus is completing, and that's the one that he calls us to carry on now as well. What he comes to do is not make the world the way we want it to be, but the way he wants it to be. In loving, compassionate, peacemaking community, this is the mission he comes to finish and pass on to us. And Reverend Barbara Brown Taylor adds in her writing, and I quote, that whether or not Jesus intended it, he finished something else too. He finished off the religious system that he opposed The temple with its clinging to tradition and power and its careful division between clean and unclean. The posturing clergy, too, who pretended to know which was which. And the whole idea that a lamb 
or a goat or a calf was an acceptable substitute for a surrendered human heart. End quote. Not that long ago, I told someone that Jesus died for him. And that person said to me, it doesn't matter, I didn't ask him to. And I wasn't sure what to say. So I said, the thing is, you didn't have to ask. Jesus did it anyway, because he loves you that much. Whether we ask him to, or whether we understand, or whether we get it, or whether we accept it, Jesus still comes to complete his mission. Because he loves us that much. How has it changed us to hang around a cross? To hang around someone who would do something like that and die for every one of us in this place? How has it changed us to hear these words of Jesus the last six weeks? To have watched what he endures and listened to what he says from this holy and horrible place? How are we different because of it? And how is the mission that Jesus said is finished and is being finished now ours to carry on? Because Jesus passes the baton to each generation to continue to live that out and make real the kingdom that he came to bring in. It's our turn now to put our feet together, not in two different places, but in one and follow Christ into this journey of Holy Week and follow him to the cross and to Easter and beyond and wherever it is he leads us in this community to continue to make real the mission that he started and continue to carry it out. It's your turn now to live out the love of God in Jesus Christ whether people accept it or understand it or not. Jesus calls us to live it just the same. Amen. And amen. And amen.